It's empty. If, if, if I ever bring a cup of coffee up to the pulpit, you might as well just grab a seat. We're going to be here for a while. Okay. Not unless you... I'll, I'll take you to Tim Hortons first. Yes. All right. We're set. Okay. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. I'm glad to hear it. I think it's a beautiful day. I know people are going, it's cold outside. <laughs> it's not cold. It's not cold. I walked over here from the house, all the way over from my house today. So hard. Feeling pretty good about the whole thing. It was. It was horribly long. So if you're just joining us, you're joining us at the end of our series called A Beautiful Mind, right? It's the last in our series. The first week we talked about fighting the right battle, fighting the right forces against you. It's not the people around you that are your enemy. It's usually Satan. And sometimes it is from within. You are your own worst enemy at times. We talked about last week destroying strongholds, right? And what's the weapon we decided we needed to destroy strongholds? It's not a trick question. The very word of God. It is the sword, right? The sword and the armor of God. The thing that we need to destroy those strongholds and get those things removed from our lives. This week, we're going to talk about the critical step, winning the battle, right? Because I want to get to winning the battle. And so we're going to talk about what it takes and what it means to win the battle for your mind. Because trapped within each and every one of us is the very radiance of God. It is the spark of life that he breathed into you. If you did not have a little piece of him, you would not be here. You would not even exist. The fact that you are here in this room means that you're at least thinking about letting him fan that flame and make that spark into a bright light, and that is a beautiful thing. So let's talk about how to get that all out, right? On that note, when we start talking about winning, we're going to talk about these guys. <laughs> what? Does that hurt? Are you, how many Browns fans we got in here? Okay. Um, speaking as someone who has been a Seahawks fan since the 70s, I had to wait 25 years, but we got a Super Bowl out of the deal. 50-something? Yeah, you're a hopeless case. Okay, so, but the Browns, as we get closer and closer to the end of the season, it looks like they might go 0-16. They may not win anything. And eventually, at the end of the season, their general manager is going to say, you know what? That's okay, because why? There's always next year. I had a friend who was, who's a Cubs fan who said that to me all the time. There's always next year, and there's always next year. And then they won, and I'm like, you're not doing it again next year. You're out. So, <laughs> so um, there's always next year. At the end of a year when the, the season is bad, there's sometimes there's talk about do you pull your starters and do you lose on purpose so that you get what? You get the first draft pick. I know you sports fans are going, whatever, okay? You get the first chance to peck, pick the best player out of college the next year, the one that you think can help your team the most. And so invariably, and at, by the way, the Browns have two next year, two first-round picks, and if they lose them all, they'll probably get the first pick. The other one, I think, is the seventh so that's not bad. So the notion would be, in the long term, you could win by losing. If I lose my last couple of games and I get the worst record, I get an opportunity to win in the long term. Tell me if that works out. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Ohio State did win yesterday. I'm beginning to wonder which team's going to show up on which weekend. Forty-eight. You got it. You got it. Yes, it was a good day to be a Buckeyes fan, Chad. So, did you by two? Twenty-eight. Who'd you beat? Maryland. They, do they have a football team? Okay. So, anyways, sorry, I'm done razzing Chad. We'll move on. So, they're trying. They would try to sell you on the idea that you could win in the long term by losing now. And and, and when it comes to football, I'm not sure that's the case, or sports in general, that's the case. Um, I think that's a crock. I do. I think that's an excuse. But I do think that there are ways you can lose in order to win. Um, if you lose weight. You win, right? Your body gets healthier. You're able to do more, live longer, be more active. Your brain is actually clearer, believe it or not. So if you lose, you can win. Is there anything else you can lose and then win? What'd you say? Huh? Can't fix what? You can't fix your brain? My brain? Jerry Culp. Where's your wife to keep you under control today? She, she left you. I... <laughs> While I wouldn't blame her, I doubt that, because doggone it, that woman loves you for some unknown reason. So, anything else you could lose to win? No? Huh? You could lose your life? Ooh, that's an interesting one. That is an interesting one. Jesus might say something about that, which... He did. He did. He did say something about that. He said in Luke 9, like almost new, Luke 9, 23 to 25, he said to, the, he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits his soul? It's the notion that when it, when it comes to our relationship with God, we, all, we have to lose in order to win. It's not football or sports. It's not even losing weight. Um, it's, it's understanding that our relationship with God is different than any other. And knowing that in order to really see what God has planned for us and to be transformed the way God wants to transform us, we have to be willing to give up ourselves in so many ways. And that's what we're going to get to. We're going to talk about that today. But first I want to see, I want you to see, watch a video. Anybody watch Cars in here ever? Okay, good. I was being like, dude, they've never seen it. We're in trouble. So we're going to watch Lightning McQueen lose and, and win at the same time. Get on. Got four turns left. One at a time. Drive it in deep and hope it sticks. Go. Chicken, the king of loose. I think McQueen is out of the race. McQueen's safe. He's back on the track. Move like a Cadillac, steam like a beaver. 
kid. I think the king should finish his last race. You just gave up the piston cut. You know that? Nah. This grumpy old race car now once told me something. It's just an empty car. Daryl, is pushing on the last lap legal? Hey, man, he's not really pushing him. He just gave him a little bump grab. All right. So, did he lose the race? Yes. Did he win? Yes. What did he win? Come on, you got to be able to tell me what he won, huh? He won respect. He did. He did. He won respect. What else did he win? Admiration. What else? Satisfaction. What else did he win? Friendship. Ooh, he made decisions for friendship. Interesting. He, uh, I think, I would love to think that I'm Lightning McQueen. I would love to think that if I see somebody in trouble that I, trouble, that I would respond that way, that I would give up what I wanted in order to win the bigger picture, win the battle, win the real thing. The problem is sometimes I think I'm chick, that I'd rather take the finish line than be willing to lose something I want or something I hold dear. Because if you'd seen the movie, he's been working for his whole lifetime to win that race. And he had to choose in that moment to give it up in order to find something greater. If you've been working for something for your whole life, how easy is it to give it up? It's hard. There are things that we hold near and dear in our hearts that are difficult for us to give up. Now, we've all got to make decisions where we have to give certain things up. We make small decisions about um, giving up little things for bigger things, right? We make decisions on our budgets. You can't always afford everything, right? You've got to decide which one's more important to you, which one's the more important thing to get or to win or whatever you want to call it, to buy we make decisions with our time in the day that way. We decide what's more important to us. If you're a student, you decide whether or not you want to go hang out with your friends or do your homework, right? If you're a parent, sometimes you decide, are you going to hang out with your children or you're going to hang out with your wife? In a perfect world, you get both, right? But it doesn't work that way. Are you going to stay at work? Or are you going to spend time in the Bible sharpening your sword? Those are the things we make. We make decisions about what we think is more important in the moment. Some of them are little things. Some of them are big things, but we do. And we have to decide to give up one thing in order to get to another. It's the reality of life. Unless any of you in here are independently wealthy, perfectly beautiful, and you're never aging. Raise your hand. Thank you, Diane. I appreciate the honesty. That's good. Appreciate that. So, the reality is we make choices. The problem is that when it comes to our relationship with God, that's not an option. See, in a perfect world, what I seek, in my perfect world, what I seek is a win-win situation. I seek a situation where I can be alive myself and still be alive with God. The problem is, in order to win the battle of the mind, 
to see the beauty of God take over my mind in order to become the person that God wants me to be, I've got to be willing to lose myself in order to save my life. Right? So, and our final thing is let's God, let God win it all. The problem with me not being willing to give up what I want is that it divides my loyalties. It divides my loyalties. Do you know what Jesus says about having two masters? It's bad mojo. Well, he doesn't say that. Here, here's what he says. He says, no one can be a slave to two masters, since either you will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. Now, as Jesus writes many things, he says, it's not just about money. You cannot be a slave to God and follow a different God, right? You cannot choose to be a Christian and a Buddhist at the same time. I can't even think of a word that would mix the two well. It doesn't work. He challenges us often to say you can't be of the world and still be of me, right? You can't chase after the things of the world and yet chase after the things that I'm, I put before you that are for you. And that creates a lot of challenge with us, a lot of challenge with us. But I think it comes down to one word, and I think that word is pride. I think that word is pride. Because at the end of the day, I'm throwing things, at the end of the day, um, I, I want to believe I've done well, I've done right. I want to believe that I've gotten what I wanted or hoped for. And when somebody tells me I can't have what I hoped for, or that I've failed. The reason it hurts is because it kicks me in the pride. It kicks me in the pride. I remember when I was in high school, that's right, she can keep preaching, it's cool, it's good, it's all good. It's gonna be better than me anyways. When I was in high school, I was, uh, I, I used to, <laughs> you're not gonna believe this, I used to bicycle, I used to race. That was a long time ago. I used to race, and uh, you know, I, Went by the high school one day, and I saw these girls in the parking lot, and they were super cute. And I was like, I'm going to go show off, because I had my biker tights on, and I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. I don't get a visual. It's bad. So, <laughs> it's bad. So, I had all this stuff on, and I was ready to go, and I pedaled up on my rocking bike with my, my interlocking pedals, and I stopped, and I acted like it was real cool, and I tried to get my foot out of the pedal, and guess what happened? Boom! They all looked at me and they go, are you okay? And I said, my pride's not, but other than that, I'm fine. Right? When we get knocked down like that, our pride is hurt. And if I had to be really blunt, as a general rule, that instance notwithstanding, I, I strongly protect my pride. And I think we all do. Part of the problem is that we've misused the word pride over the years. Okay? Pride and confidence are not the same thing. If God has given you a gift, and we'll get into that in a minute, being confident in that gift is not the same as being prideful in that gift. It depends on who you're giving the glory to. If, it's, if I did it, it's a problem. If God did it, it's not. So, are you ready to have your pride kicked? Are you ready to talk about pride? Okay. Our text today is the same text we've been working out of for the last three weeks. It's the last time you're going to look at it. 
well, in this series. I hope it's not the last time you look at it. It's 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6, and it says, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ, and we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete. The problem is that, as we said before, we talked about slaves and masters not being able to have more than one. Is it your work or is it God? Is it your family or is it God? What is it? Is it yourself or is it God? Pride is one of those masters that we don't talk about all the time. Pride it can be a master in your life. Because if, if something's really going wrong in your life and you don't tell anybody else around you who can help you, why would you not do that? Pride's the answer. Pride is the answer. I don't want to think anyone to think less of me. I don't want anyone to know my marriage is falling apart. I don't want anyone to know I can't handle my kids. My marriage isn't falling apart, by the way. It's just an example. I don't think, is it? Okay, rock on. Um, I have to ask her. She tells me what's up. I just roll with it. Um, if we're financially in, in, in deep and we're in trouble financially and we don't ask for help, why? Pride. And in doing that, we've become a slave to our own pride because we don't make the decisions that God would have us make. We make the decisions that defend that, that keep that safe. And what I want to tell you is that that cuts you off from the people of God, that cuts you off from life. It prevents us from seeing truth. It prevents us from being honest. It prevents us from transforming into the radiance of God. Proverbs 6 18 says, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. And it does. I was going to show this video too, but I already showed one. There was a video a couple years ago of a DEA agent teaching gun safety classes in a school. Do you remember this one? It's hilarious. No, it's not really. Well, it is, but not for good reasons. So the guy is standing in the class and he's got his vest on and he's got guns and he's yelling at these kids going, you shouldn't have a gun, you should never have a gun, you should only have a gun if you're properly qualified to have a gun. In fact, I'm the only person in this room who's capable of having a gun. And he starts to, he goes, see, but my even keep mine empty. And he pops it and guess what? Right in the foot. Bang. Literally shot himself in the foot. Right? That is a gentleman who I would wager to say, and I've seen interviews with him afterwards, with him just going, that was about the dumbest thing I could have ever done. My pride got in the way. Because <laughs> it has a tendency to do that to us. It has a tendency to do that to us. But I want us to understand that there's a dif profound difference between pride and confidence. They're not the same thing. Okay? Tony Dungy in his book, Uncommon, says that pride is about me, right? Pride is about me. 
But confidence is a realization that God has given me abilities and created me to fulfill a unique role that no one else is called to fill. Do you believe you're called to fill a unique role? I believe you are. I believe we all are. Don't sell yourself short on that. Born in humility, confidence is a recognition that life is not about me, but about using the gifts and abilities I have been blessed with to their fullest. Pride keeps us from being uh, willing to try new things because we're afraid we'll fail and then that will hit our pride. It keeps us from being willing to step up and say, I want to be involved in such and such because in the ministry or in the church because we're afraid that somebody will say, that's a dumb idea. And that's our pride. I saw people look at each other just a second ago by the, when I said that too. Keith, you got something you want to tell me? No? I love you. All right. Pride prevents us from doing incredible things. It prevents us from being involved as we should be involved. And it is, it is a master that we serve. We are slaves to it. It robs you of your confidence. The confidence that God has given you a gift that you are uniquely qualified for in this time, in this place, with this body of people or in the community around you because you have been. Don't rob yourself of that because of your pride. Don't let your pride keep you from becoming that. See, protecting our fragile pride, we spend a lot of time protecting our fragile pride, especially men. We're very prideful. Very, very prideful. But this is one of the strongholds that we talk about in our scripture that's massively important. It says we demolish arguments and every proud thing, proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. Pride is a stronghold that keeps us from what God wants us the most, wants from us the most, and that is obedience. Because that's also in there three times in this, right? He says we take every thought captive to obey Christ, and we are ready to punish any disobedience once your obedience is complete. Three times in two sentences. If God says something three times in two sentences, it probably matters. And it's probably important. What do you think when someone is asking for when they ask for your obedience? If somebody asks you to be obedient, moms, dads, if you're asking your child to be obedient, what are you asking? Say what? Follow without question. That's a great answer, Bill says. Uh, do your kids follow without question? No. <laughs> a couple, I was like, you figured that out? Um, a couple years ago, we got this for Heather on Mother's Day because she asked for it. It says, question authority, but never your mother. <laughs> right? When we ask our kids to be obedient, when we're saying, you need to be obedient to us, we're asking them to do what we've asked them to do right? To not ask why, to not argue, really to trust that we have their best interest in mind. That's what we're asking. It's what obedience requires. Does obedience allow for, in our relationship with God, does it allow for me to ask why before I do? Does it allow for me to seek a win-win situation or do I seek a God-wins situation? 
Because as I said before, I would love to think I'm Lightning McQueen and I stop and I seek the God win situation, the right thing to do. But sometimes I take the opportunity to win the race. That's not okay. That's divided loyalties. And the truth is I'm doing it for my pride. Now, if you watch the rest of the, the flick, he gets a good hit to his pride and to his bumpers, right? People start shooting cans and throwing things at him when he's in the winner's circle because he thought he won, but he really didn't. Didn't. And what, what I want from most from you is not to get to the end of your life and think you've won and have lost everything. To gain the whole world and lose your soul. It's a question of priority, and it's a question of who your master is. Who do you submit to, yourself or God? Or God. Obedience is what we need to give to God in order to truly know Him. And we say that out front. We say um, we must obey the gospel, right? You must obey the gospel. It means you must respond to that gospel. We say that you must, he says many times, you must obey his commands. But it's a, it's, a, it's a big shift to go from understanding that to actually doing it or living it. It means we have to choose to do that before we know how it's going to work out. We have to choose to do that before we get rewarded for it, which is probably the hardest part. I have to choose to obey God before I find out what the reward is on the other side. Have you ever gone to your boss and asked for a raise? No? Really? In my world, I had people come ask me for raises all the time. They were always asking me for a raise. And it almost, well, half the time would go like this. It would go, so, hey, I want a raise. I've been here six months, I want a raise. Okay, that's right, right there out of the gate. Warning sign number one, you've been here six months, you want to raise already? You can't even tie your shoes yet, we're working on it, okay? And they'd go, I want to raise. And I'd go, okay, well, it's kind of early, but why is it you want to raise? And they they wouldn't tell me what they had done or what they were currently doing. They would say, you know what, I'll tell you what, Rob, if you give me a raise, I'll work harder. If I had a nickel for every time I've heard that, If you give me a raise, I'll work harder. If you give me a raise, I'll get more work done. I'll work faster. If you give me a raise, I'll stop riding your clock, which means working extra time for no good reason, which leads me to go, so you'll stop being dishonest with me if, right, if I give you a raise. Sometimes I think that we do the same thing with God. We try to negotiate with Him and say that if you give me, I will do. Rather than understanding, we must do in order to receive. Now, are we earning our salvation? The answer is no, you can't. But it is understanding that the blessings of God are commensurate with how close you are to Him. They really are. It's pretty simple, right? If you're closer to the light source, you get more light. It's very easy. So does that mean you're going to earn anything? No, as I said, you're not going to earn anything, but you've got to choose first to be with God and then 
you will see what's on the other side. And I think oftentimes, because we're looking to win the argument ourselves and our pride is involved and we want to make sure we're getting the best of what we want out of the deal, we often don't even get that far. <laughs> we often just cut it short and say, I can't see what's on the other side of that. God, I'm not going through that door because I don't want to fail. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to do any of those things. I want it to go the way I want it to go. I remember when I was a teenager, I was lying in my room one night upstairs and, and praying because my godmother was, was very, very sick and was going to pass away. And I remember saying to God, and I didn't have much of a relationship with God. I knew of Him. I did not know Him. And I would, I would say, God, you know, if you um, can save her, um, I will never cuss again. That was it, is what I said. I would never cuss again. She lived. Did I cuss again? Gonna go with yes. Gonna go with yes. I did. But I wasn't willing to make that promise until I thought for sure that God was gonna follow through. And the funny thing is, even when he did follow through, I didn't keep the promise. Funny how that works. When we choose to lose our will, we let his will win. It's that simple. And it's a scary choice. When the fog is listed, the radiance of God shines through. I'm quiet today. Can you tell? It was a busy week. I struggled with this one this week because I'm a people pleaser, okay? I like being received well by people. And that's that's pride issue. That's pride. It is. And you, some of you say, well, if you had more pride, you'd wear a shirt and tie like the, sh the singers did up here this morning. So, right? <laughs> I haven't heard anybody say that. Thank you. So, um, but it is an issue. And so I had to struggle with it this week. I had to think about what decisions I make in my life that are pride-driven. What do I not tell people because it hurts my pride? What do I um, try to clean up so nobody sees my mess because it hurts my pride? My office got painted because it hurt my pride because I kept seeing people walk by and going, are you going to do anything with that office? Because if you remember a few months ago, it was a bit of a train wreck. But I painted it and laid new floor because I got tired of people looking at me and going, you can't even keep a clean office? What's wrong with you? At the end of the day, does that really matter? Probably not. Probably not. Pride, though, is something that there's just no room for in the kingdom of God. It's just not there. So let me ask you this. What can you do to help you see that more clearly? To ask yourself the tough question, am I having a fight with my spouse because of my pride or because this is legitimately a godly issue that I need to work on? Am I angry at someone because they caught me doing something I shouldn't and I'm wrong and I can't admit I'm wrong? Any of you have difficulty admitting you're wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens. I saw a number of wives look at their husbands, just so you know. I love being up here. I get to see all that stuff. Um, 
Are you choosing to spend your time rate earning more money instead of spending your time with your family because you think being richer makes you a better looking person or seeming person? Are you choosing um, to buy always buy nice clothes instead of going to Goodwill? And you say, do I have to go to Goodwill all the time? That's not what I'm saying. I am saying if your physical appearance is driving you to, to, to go broke because you're busy buying really nice clothes and nice cars and you got to look good and feel good and be good all the time, that's your pride. Can you make a different decision? Dude, am I that bad today? Because you guys are so... Oh, I'm making your brain hurt. It made my brain hurt all week. So... I'm trying to. So, I have to ask myself some very specific questions, especially with my words. Um, When I speak, I have to first say, are my words building up or tearing down? Because chances are, if they're tearing down, that's my pride. I'm trying to make myself feel better. Right? You've seen children call each other names. Why? Pride, so they can feel better about themselves, right? That's what it's all about. It's pride. I have to ask myself if my, and carefully measure my words. I have, to, I have to watch my actions. I have to say, am I using my gifts to benefit others or am I using it to benefit me? Am I using it to benefit others or benefit me? Because at the end of the day, if I'm serving God, I can't be serving It's why it's the one stronghold in this scripture that they label by name. Pride. Because it's the biggest and it's the baddest and it's the one that will keep you away from God. So, what are you going to do this week to kill your pride? Huh? Read the Bible is a great place to start. It's a great place to start. What else? Any other ideas? Go to Goodwill. Yes! Take all of your expensive clothes to Goodwill and buy new clothes at Goodwill. All right. We'll see if that works out. Okay. Anything else you can do to have your pride take a hit? Let your wife win. I don't think you have to let her. I think she's just gonna. (laughs) Admit that she won. There you go. Admit that she won. That's good. What else? I've seen both Scott and Carrie Jackson play basketball. She's better. I'm just telling you. She's got a better shot. He's not here, is he? Dang. Okay. Yes. Serve the church. Serve the church. You do every week. Yes, you do. Here's one. Be willing to take correction from somebody. Even if it's somebody you don't know well. If they walk up to you and they say, you know what, I think that you are a bad driver. Don't go, what? Right? Unless you're me. I am a horrible driver. Don't, don't, don't go, what? Go, okay, why do, you, why do you think that? Here's another one. Do something you know is going to fail. In public. That I... 
It does. That flies totally against convention. Why would I ever do that? Why? Because I want you to get used to the fact that at the end of the day, you can fail and you can still survive. Huh? Yeah? Yeah? It is. It is. How many times does a baby fall before they learn to walk? Lots and lots. And they don't care that somebody sees them fall. We learn that as we get older. When I trip and fall now, what's the first thing I do? Anybody see that? Anybody see that, right? The, wow, okay. Someone's, your mom's got a sick sense of humor, Stanley. I'm kidding. The point is, be willing to be seen, even in small ways, be willing to be seen as unsuccessful. Be willing to make mistakes because here's what you'll find. On the other side of it, you'll go, you know, I really didn't even have to worry about that. Or you'll go, that wasn't really important. And if you find your value in who you are in God rather than yourself or your accomplishments or your appearances, guess what? You will find yourself stronger for it. And you will find the radiance of God bursting through. One time in my, in my work life, I had a, a, a caterer was working for me, and she, uh, we, we botched a catering job. We botched it, just botched it. And we botched it because I didn't do enough prep. I didn't get enough details. I didn't make sure enough things happened. And then I left her to go to a meeting, and it failed. And I walked back through the door, and I lit her up for failing. And then I had to stop, and I had to say to myself, well, whose fault was this really? It's one of the hardest things I ever had to do was go back to her and apologize to her both privately and in front of the three people that had seen me yell at her because it was the wrong thing to do. We're still friends. That's been seven years. Because I ate my pride and I did the right thing. I would encourage you this week to evaluate all your actions when you get mad. Ask yourself if it's really pride or if it's righteous anger because there is such a thing to ask, you, ask yourself whether or not it's about keeping your persona or becoming the persona of God. It's in the little choices, and it's in the big ones. But either way, there's no room for pride in our relationship with the Lord. None at all. Get used to be acting a fool. Because that's half the reason I act like this up here. I want you to understand it's okay to act a fool. It's all right. Oh, you think. Some of you are going, uh-uh, not on my watch. Okay. So, I think I'm about done. I know. Bad. I had the transition written. It says, worship team, call the worship team now. I stink. I'm accepting it. I did. Woohoo! See, I failed already. I haven't even left the church is foolishness to Greeks and folly to Gentiles. 
but to us is the power of God and the power of salvation, the wisdom of God and the power of salvation. When I said act a fool, if you're, I didn't mean go out and just do something silly for no good reason. <laughs> I said it's okay to look silly for God. Right? That's what it means. All right, let's pray. Father God, I pray that you will give us courage this week. You'll give us courage to lay down our own pride, to remember that we have committed to you and you are whom we serve, that when we make decisions that are based in pride, we lose sight of you because we're too busy staring at ourselves. We pray that you will help us destroy that stronghold. It will help us to see you clearly in all things, that we will be willing to lose in order to win, knowing that you desire for us to become more and more like you with each and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.